All right. Good morning, Trinity Church. Thank you, worship team. What a great way to start our uh, service today. Merry Christmas to you. If you can't tell, this is the season. We are in it. And uh, such a great thing. We love it. We missed you guys last weekend. We were up at Forest Home helping them kind of kick off uh, the Christmas season, an event they do with family camp called Home for the Holidays, and it was just a great time. Here we are kicking off Christmas on Saturday. It snowed two to three inches up there, and it was just this perfect start. We had this, uh, this great room that had a fireplace. It raged all afternoon, and I loved it. I didn't want to go anywhere. My kids are like, let's go play in the snow. I'm like, why don't you go play in the snow? <laughs> I'm going to sit here by the fire and enjoy this great moment of just kind of uh, just being warm. I guess that's what you say it. I want to thank Hilke. He did a great job teaching last weekend and just really, really great. I want to give you an update on him. He, um, this week, for some of you know, he experienced a detached retina in his left eye that's been giving him problems and so uh, was able to go in and kind of get that diagnosed. Uh, on his own, kind of one-eyed, figured out Googling that that's what had happened. I was really impressed with his medical prowess uh, with being able to Google that. But... Um, He's, uh, they've got an appointment on Monday to uh, figure out if they're going to they're gonna do surgery, whether it's Monday or Wednesday. So I want to take a moment right now just to pray for him and Jody and their family before we kind of move forward. Father God, we want to lift up our brother and our friend, uh, Hilke, to you. Just thank you for the great job he did in finishing our series last weekend. And just thank you for so many fronts on so many different ways. What a, just a faithful pastor and, and just friend he is to us here at Trinity. God, this has been a challenging season on a lot of fronts, just even the practical reality of how to hold a head in a certain way and all those things in the midst of getting um, this work done in his eyes. But even this setback this week, God, for them, we just pray that what you're going to yield out of that, God, this uh, procedure that's going to happen this week, we just pray for such a great um, success that the surgeon would have and that you'd bring healing to his eye. It's going to take time in that recovery, give him patience. But God, from our vantage point, that's the only thing that makes sense. And that's why we pray for that today. So we lift him up to you and uh, just give him and uh, Jody and their kids just a sense of courage and hope as they walk through this season. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, what I want to do, I actually want to get to it. We're going to get there today. But I want to do a little housekeeping. In your worship folder, you have a small insert in there called Ways to Give. Would you take that out real quick? I just want to tell you about a couple things. The reason I bring this up today has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that things are not going well financially. Just the opposite. You guys have been so incredibly um, generous and obedient in giving. And we'll, we won't have time today to really talk through even kind of the biblical precedent for giving, why we give, how we give. But we actually will talk real quick about how we give. But what we want to do was just make these avenues known to you because for some of us, it's a challenge maybe sometimes to either remember to bring stuff on a Sunday or, or different ways. We live in a world of just great technology, and uh, we're trying to, in a sense, stay on pace with that and give you options to give. One of the things that for you, I'm, I don't know if I've said it uh, thus far yet in our short time with you, but if you ever sit near me, you'll notice every time that the offering bag goes by, you're like, why is he never putting anything in there? What's that all about? Because you're not at home when I'm putting stuff in on my computer because I give online through our checking account. Now, I only say that to say, not that that's better. There's no, to me, some of you go, there's something very profound about physically putting something in a bag, and I say, awesome, keep doing that. 
For others, they would say, you know what, technology-wise, I would just, in some ways, just so I don't forget. If that's automatically coming out, I know that's not going to be something I'm going to be tempted. Ah, Maybe I'll keep this check in my pocket. Some of you, by the way, don't even know what a check is, okay? (laughs) You never use them. We'd say the word, you're like, what's that? I don't even know what that is. So we're trying to do some things to stay in line with you. So just take a look at the front of this, ways to give. The first two ways we've, we've actually already engaged today, through cash or through check. But bill pay, something through your checking account that's available to do, and just making Trinity Church one of the things that you give to is a way to do that. That's what we do. You can give through our website. There's a give tab that allows you to do that. There's a mobile app that can connect to Trinity Church called Easy Tithe. That's an opportunity as well. You'll note that there. And then the the real occasion for this, there's a new way to give called Text to Give. And you'll see the number there. On our website, there's an FAQ for each one of these, how to set that up. And the only reason we're going into it a little bit today is simply to make things more accessible to you. Look on the back and you'll notice these are the different funds that giving goes to. Our general fund that just pretty much is all-encompassing our building fund that helps keep pushing down our debt on our facility, and then our helps fund. What a great thing as pastors, when we have the confidence of knowing when someone's going through a financial need, that we have a fund that people consistently are giving to, that we can draw from and be able to help members of Trinity and those in our community. It's a huge resource. So we thank you for that. I thank you for the way you've been giving to Advent Conspiracy, because what an amazing opportunity to give locally and globally And we've all kind of framed it throughout our time as an over and above. This is not our normal church giving. It's a way to be very generous in this Christmas season. And you guys are amazing. We're already more than halfway towards the total goal of what we're aiming at. So I just want to encourage you and your generosity. Thank you for that. It's been very cool. So we say that to say, just to give you those things so you have those readily available and you can engage them. Some ways maybe help others give more um, just effectively than others. And that's really up to you. We'll talk some more in this new year about just God's, because um, at the end of the day, that's what giving to a local church like Trinity is all about, is trusting God with the resources he's given you and walking in obedience. And it really just comes down to that. Well, today what I want to do is I want to kick off this great Christmas season with you together today. We are, we're wrapping everything in this month of December around this amazing news of the arrival of Jesus into our world. You have to grab hold of that and not miss it for all the lights and all the other things. These are great. My, my family, we are Christmas people, okay? My wife and I got married during the Christmas season on purpose because we love red and green, okay? So you, you don't, you're not going to meet many people who are more Christmassy than us, but even in the midst of those good things, it's easy to get distracted from the main thing. Without Jesus entering into our world, we have no hope. That's why this is so great. That's why Emmanuel, God with us, is so essential and needed and amazing. And so we, with the right spirit, with the right attitude, we celebrate Christmas because of that reality. Nothing had ever been so great. Nothing had ever could measure up to the greatness of God entering our world. And the only things that would eclipse it would be 30 plus years later, with a a cross and an empty tomb. Jesus came to save us. And that's what we get to celebrate at this time of year. So as we do, and as we dive in, I wanna help you focus a little bit, even where we're going specifically with the series. So I brought a video, take a look, and we'll keep moving today. Um, It was time for Jesus to come. And when Mary and Joseph arrived, 
All the hotels, beds, and homes were taken. The innkeeper said, "Go away. There is not enough room for anybody to go to live now." And Joseph and Mary, they could sleep nowhere but a dirty old old barn, and they had to sleep with donkeys and cows. With the donkeys and cows, Jesus was born. They made a hay bed for Joseph to lay down. No, Jesus. <laughs> There was a bright star, and it told the shepherds that there was a new baby that was going to be born. When the shepherds were watching watching their sheep, um. The an there was an angel that appeared, and he said, "Don't be afraid. I have very good news. There is a new baby that is born. It is God's son, and he's sleeping in a manger. You can go see him. Just follow the star. The angels were singing, 'Good will.'" To reign in the highest, <laughs> the angel were the angels were singing, "Glory to the world." The angels were singing, "Glory to God, to God in the highest, good will to peace on earth and good will to men." <laughs> So the shepherds went to Bethlehem. They saw sheep, donkeys, cows, shepherds. Oh, and of course Jesus and all of those things. Maybe it was a not so silent night after all. Now I bet you, I bet you had no idea that your kids or your grandkids' toys could tell the Christmas story so well. But actually, I showed you the video on purpose because I wanted it to be relatable. That's the problem. I feel like the story of Christmas, and partly because for many of us it's so well known, becomes something that's so hard to actually personally relate to. Think of the the characters of Christmas; they actually become caricatures. In religious art, they're drawn with halos. Hard for us to relate to people with halos because we know one doesn't belong on our head. When it comes to Christmas cards, you'll see them as icons on the front. When it comes to the idea of, of even them being in our lawns, right, as plastic ornaments that that sit up there, which is great, and it's great they're on Christmas cards, and it's great they're in religious art. The problem is, it's hard to relate to real people who experienced real hope at the advent of a real Savior, and that's our hope. You'll see that the the title of our series called Perspectives: Christmas Through a Different Lens. We're trying to get into their shoes. We're trying to see it through their vantage point. What was it like to be there? Who were they? Who were these people? What was it like to behold an angelic messenger? 
What was it like to travel difficult terrain being very, very pregnant? What was it like to touch the fragile fingers of the creator of the universe? These are the people that we're looking at this month of December. What was it really like to be there? So today, we gain a new perspective about Jesus' advent by looking through the lens of those who saw him first, namely his mother Mary. If you have a Bible, we're open today to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, it's the third gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And beginning in verse 26, it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and we'll get to that in just a moment, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's get into her shoes a little bit today. Here's who we're talking about. And I don't know if parts of the story you can just read right over. One of them is we're talking about a teenager. I have two teenage daughters, 14 and 16. Mary was probably in that range, 14, 15, 16 years old. For those of you who have or are currently raising female daughters, that tells you what a daughter is. It's a female, okay? (laughs) Sorry, a little bit redundant. But you're raising teenagers, the word I meant, teenage daughters, Your mind is being blown right now because you know who lives in your home. God came to her. And it wasn't just her. It wasn't just that she was a teenage girl. He came to a teenage girl who was from a second-class area, Nazareth. Nazareth Nazareth up north in Galilee. Galilee was a despised area to the good Jews because good Jews lived down and around Jerusalem. Jerusalem where kind of the purebred Jews lived, not up there where Jews had kind of mixed with the the, the Gentiles. So you have not only a teenage girl, but a a teenage girl who's a nobody from nowhere. That's who she was. And you're here today and you realize, though the Christmas story has seemed at times far and away, now all of a sudden this piece seems pretty close. Because maybe you've defined yourself that way before. I I just kind of feel like a nobody from nowhere. I want you to hear from the very beginning today, as we begin this kind of look at her life, I want you to hear, look in your notes, God goes looking for nobodies from nowhere. 
God is searching for, God is seeking to use nobodies from nowhere. And this is how I know that. I'm not saying it just to make you feel good. I'm saying it because the Apostle Paul told the Corinthian church this. Say where you're at in Luke, but look on the screen. Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Watch this. But God, always that great phrase in the Bible, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Watch this. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things. The people from Nazareth, God chose them in the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become what? For us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I want to encourage you today, God is not looking for together people. He's actually looking for people that he can fill. Not people full of self, but people available to be filled by God. And if you're here today and you can relate to that, then the reality is the great news is you not only understand a little bit more of who Mary is, you actually are here today and where your words might have been before I don't know if God can use me. I don't really have anything to offer him. You can be encouraged by the fact today that God is looking and seeking you out. He wants to use you in a great way. Let's look at this encounter a little bit today with Mary. Look in your notes. Here's a few things that were true of Mary in the moment. First off, she was leery. She was leery about what was happening in the moment. This is a great thing. I was talking to someone the other day. And they put it well. They said, when you think of an angel showing up in the biblical record, this the only character that you consistently see that as soon as they arrive has to immediately say, don't be afraid. <laughs> I actually liked in the video that was so well done of all, you know, it wasn't just a guy with wings. It was this really buff, rough and tough. You know, he was Birdman or someone like that. So he's this macho, right? This macho. And I think angels must have been a lot more like that rather than kind of the wimpy ones with the little, you know, harps and the gowns. I mean, that's not intimidating, right? That person shows up and you're like, do you want to do a song? I mean, what are we doing? That angel shows up and you go, whoa, what are you going to do to me? Every time an angel shows up, that's what you see. So that kind of angel, not just anyone, but an angel named Gabriel comes to Mary and begins to tell her of something so bizarre and so big and so challenging. There must have been a part of her, though, that was wondering, is this really happening? Like, is this some kind of a dream? Do I have indigestion? I mean, what is this? It's interesting to think that, as you can relate to Mary's story, has there been a time, maybe not even long ago, but recent, when you sense that God is wanting to reveal something to you. God is wanting to get your attention. God's wanting to communicate truth and direction into your life. And you've been leery at first, like, is this of God? It's interesting how our own experience in coming to Trinity demonstrates this point to our family so well. It was just about a year ago, January 20th, I think was the day that a guy named Bill Bourne invited me to breakfast. 
said, you know I'm on staff at Trinity. We're looking for a senior pastor. Do you want to talk? And it was as God began a process, and we, God had actually been doing some things prior to that in our lives, not just generally about a change of church and role, but even specifically sowing seeds about Trinity Church. But it was that breakfast that began a catalyst of events that would happen after. And, and so as the end of January came, I would say over the next four or five months, probably till May sometime, God brought people into our lives that said things like this. God's given me a word for you. And the word is that he has something in store for you that is bigger than you've thought and you need to trust him going through it. Be open to your next yes was the thing I heard on the very day that I knew the search team was calling me that night. Now, I grew up in conservative theological circles. And so for me, in my background, whenever someone would walk up and say, I have a word from the Lord for you, all of a sudden, all, of a sudden, all the walls go up. Because we're getting a little wacky right now. <laughs> now, I'm just telling you, it's where I come from. Okay? I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying that's where my background is. So all of a sudden, when I would hear these things, at first I'm going, okay. We're getting into that world now. And I'd listen, but I got to tell you, knowing what was going on in our lives, especially that first time, especially that first time, there's no way this individual would have any idea of what was going on in my world. And I realized, God, something is up. These actual encounters began at such a rate that over the next few months, I would come home from work and Aaliyah, my 16-year-old daughter, would look at me and she'd say, what prophecy did you get today? was literally that prolific. And, and here's the thing. In that sequence of, of considering and praying about it and, and asking questions, God, is this what you have for us? There were all kinds of pieces to the equation. There were conversations with Bill. There was meeting with the search team. There was me going to trusted believers that I love that had wisdom and asking questions. What do you think? All that was going on. But I will tell you, these four or five situations of people coming and telling me things they couldn't have known otherwise that all added up caused there to be in me some sense of, God, I think you're in this. It's, it's a, an extra piece of revelation I've never experienced before, but I'm going to trust you that it's the piece you needed to help me see this is what you want. Have you ever been leery of something that God was opening a door and showing you something, but you just thought, God, I don't know this is of you? If you have, you can relate to Mary because that's how she initially responded. The second thing that was true about her is that she was confused. She was confused about what was happening, how this assignment could be fulfilled. God, how in the world are you going to do this? I know a little bit about biology. I am not going to have a baby. I've never been with a man. I don't know how you're going to do this. And in the confusion, trying to figure out what on earth this could mean. And finally, yet yeah, how great she was willing. She was willing to say, God... I don't know how all this is going to work. I'm even leery of what's happening in this exchange, but I'm willing to, to follow your lead. These are all the things that were going on initially 
in this first encounter. That's the what of Luke chapter 1 with Mary. Then we get to the so what. What does that even mean and how does that connect with our lives? The first blank. It's this idea of what are the things that in your life you censor of God but you're leery about. What are the things in your world that you sense are of God that he's doing, that he's opening doors, that he's showing you something you hadn't seen before, but yet you're like, I'm not sure yet. It's too hard to put all the pieces together. And whether it's people coming to you with a word from the Lord, whether it happens to be in the reading that you're in in scripture and things are coming off the page that relate to what you're going through, whether it's someone who loves Jesus and speaks truth into your life and simply says, I love you enough to tell you this. I sense this in you. I sense in this circumstance of things you're going through. What are the things that you hear, but you're kind of initially, I'm not sure yet. Secondly, what are the things that are confusing you? What are the things that you say, I don't know how you're going to accomplish this plan in my life, God. I'm confused when I see the path. I'm confused by what you say is going to happen next. Mary said, biologically, that's not going to happen. The angel said, God is over and above biology. He's going to do something miraculous. As you look at your life and you look at the things that you sense God's leading you toward, how, how very often do we feel as though the very next step is shrouded? It's muddy. I can't tell what it means. I, I don't even know where to put my foot down. I'll never forget, our family had the opportunity to do kind of an epic vacation when our kids were really little, and we ended up, among other things, in Orlando. And we spent four or five days at um, Disney World. And as we were there, we went to the different parks. And like you might have done if you've gone on a similar trip, you said, what's your favorite park? I would say, I don't think this was my favorite park. We went to the Animal Kingdom of, of all these, of, among one of the days. I don't know if this was my favorite park, but the experience there was probably my favorite experience. You see, they had opened a ride, um, and I can't remember the name of it, but it includes a big Yeti. Okay, If you've been to the, the Matterhorn, the Yeti's all over this abominable snowman. Okay, He's big and he's scary. And so my little guy, Jackson was just a little guy, early elementary at the time we went. So we said, well, let's go on this, let's go on this um, roller coaster. We didn't, we'd never been on it and didn't know anything about it, just happened upon it and thought, well, let's give it a try. And so like many things you do when you don't know what you're getting into, it just gives you this sense of, okay, we're living on the edge, let's go do this thing. And so as you go on this roller coaster, Jackson had never really been at that point on any big roller coasters. This one has a loop in it. And so that in and of itself is like, whoa, you know, we're like, ah, freaking out. But in the end of the ride as we're going up towards the end, we're coming and all of a sudden we've just done this loop and I'm looking and I can see there's no more tracks. <laughs> like the Yeti ate them kind of a thing, right? And I'm coming towards the end and I'm looking and I'm going, and, and you know, the rational part of me is saying, Todd, it's Disney World. You're not going to die. But the other part of me who'd never been on this ride before was like, we're going to go off the edge of the tracks. And we're watching this thing. We're coming towards the edge. And just as we get there, we lose momentum enough to come backwards and do the whole thing back again. <laughs> Freaked us out. <laughs> but here's my question for you. How many times as you're following God and following what you sense he's doing in your life is the next step not only confusing, but looks like it's not there? There's, there's no tracks out here. I don't know where to put my foot down. I don't know what's next. So remember in our Ephesians study, 
One of the things that we said is we said, we defined, we said the opposite of faith is not doubt, but sight. The opposite of faith is not doubt, it is sight. And what we're saying is, is that yes, it requires faith. Yes, it requires trust. Yes, it requires obedience because God is not going to lay out all the steps first, nice and rosy, and then have you walk them because that does not require him. He's very interested in you and I being dependent upon him, even in the times we don't think we need to be. And in that dependence, God is saying, I'm not going to lay out all the steps. When have I ever done that? I just need you to trust me. I need you to have faith that I am who I am, and I'm going to lead you in a path that you could have never known and you probably never would have chosen. But watch this but it's going to be so worth it. You have these stories, these, what I call these stacks of rocks. Remember in the Old Testament when God would show up and he, when he would meet people in some dramatic, miraculous way. They initially were, were, were told, do this, but then I think it just became their habit. They would build a stack of rocks. They'd call it an altar, but not the kind of altar you'd sacrifice on, more like this huge stack of rocks. And they would name it. God delivered, God provided, God met us. So always related to the character and the power and the action of God. God did this for us here. And they would build the stacks of rocks for two reasons. One, to commemorate and give glory and honor to the right source. God did it. But secondly, for themselves and for their children's and children's and their grandchildren's, we're making that word double plural, for, for all their people to come they would walk by the stack of rocks and grandkids would say, what's this big stack of rocks? And granddad or grandmom would say, this is where God intervened. I saw it. I was there. You will never have stacks of rocks that demonstrate the faithfulness and the power of God if you don't trust him for that's the only way to get them. When you step out into a world that looks confusing, that you wonder, how is this going to happen? I mean, get into her shoes for a moment. How is a teenager going to become pregnant with the Son of God? God knew, but there's no way she could have. And yet she said, and this is the great part, this is this last step in your notes, are you willing? Even when you're leery, is this really of God? Even when you're confused by the circumstances going on around it, are you willing to be used by God no matter how leery or confused you may be? What I love about it is her words. What does she say at the end of this sequence with the angel? May what you have said be to me. May this happen the way you said it, and I will trust you for it. Now, the interesting thing is you're here today and the thing that you're going through or things that you're going through that could be, uh, God, I'm leery if this is of you or even, God, when you kind of make it clear it's of you, I'm confused how it's going to work out. The things you're walking through today that begin with just a willingness now, that's your next step, is a step of God, I'm willing to obey. What, I can't see it, it doesn't make sense, I'm willing. Here's the interesting thing, as you walk through this season Undoubtedly, you're going to come to a place when you look back and not only see a stack of rocks and you see God's faithfulness, but as you do, you'll walk through and realize it was the only choice that made any sense. 
to trust God. Even in light of crazy circumstances, even in light of all the confusion, there was nothing else I could have done. The words that the angel gives Mary at the very end I thought were so profound. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. You know, I told you in the sequence when we started that I would get back to this thing about Elizabeth. Remember that earlier and actually how Luke begins is not the encounter with Mary, but it's the encounter with her cousin, or at least her cousin's husband. A guy named Zachariah. And Zechariah was a very, very different from Mary. Number one, he was much older, much more seasoned, much more experienced in life. Also, Zechariah was incredibly religious because he was a priest. And, and in this religious setting, this man of God, he'd gone years being married to his wife Elizabeth with no children. She was barren decade after decade to the point they'd just given up. It's not going to happen. She's at an age this is never going to be for us. And of all the things going on in his mind, the Bible says that also Gabriel, same angel, shows up to him. First words, don't be afraid. <laughs> Always has to say that, right? So in the mix of it, he begins to tell Zachariah, hey, God has chosen you. In a very unique time, in a very unique way, your wife is going to become pregnant. And she's going to bear, she's going to have a son, and the son is the forerunner of Messiah. The Messiah you've waited for, the Messiah every Jew has waited for, the Messiah the world has waited for since our fall in the garden is going to happen in your lifetime. And your son will announce the way. And we read those words today and we go, ah, oh, what an incredible privilege. What does Zachariah do? Ah, oh, that's lunacy. We've been trying to have kids forever. My wife's never going to have a baby. It's just the way it is. And he totally dispels the whole thing. And by the way, think about the biology. Here's a teenage girl saying, oh, okay, but I don't know if this is going to happen. Here's an older man, though, yes, they've not had children forever. Biologically speaking, it was possible. Husbands and wives have children. They do this. It works. But that reality, that promise was so significant the idea maybe even of Messiah, so past, God, you've said for generations he was going to come. He's never been. He's never arrived. And something about the decades of simply becoming and gaining old faith had put him to a point where even the very messenger of God who stands in the very presence of God couldn't convince him God is able to do anything. You know what's sad? I tend to relate more to Zechariah than I do to Mary. And that I go, God, I just don't know if you're big enough to do this. God, I just don't know if you have the power to, to engage this and make this happen. And I've been so challenged studying Mary's life and saying, God, I want to have a teenage faith. A teenage faith that might be leery, not knowing if this is from you. A teenage faith that might be confused of how you're going to do it. But a teenage faith that is willing. That says, God, okay. I can't see the next step. It even looks like the tracks are missing, but okay. If the what of the passage is the angel's visitation with Mary, if the so what of the passage is how do you do when you face things similar, now let's finish today with the now what. The now what of the passage is simply this. 
pursue as a family or pursue as an individual today what you perceive to be God's leading and direction in your life. No matter how leery you may be of it, no matter how confusing it may be, all the steps, be willing to say, God, this is your life, the one you've given me. I'm going to lead it. I'm going to follow you and follow your lead. Maybe today he's leading you to consider a job change like he did for us. I couldn't know. Is he leading you to welcome home adopted or foster kids into your home? Maybe a thing you're wrestling through. I don't know. Is he leading you to get involved in a ministry role here at Trinity Church? Something you've been putting off because you felt like you had to be a together person. Before maybe you realize today that God's actually looking for for nobodies from nowhere. And maybe just maybe he could use you. Is he leading you to do something well beyond your capabilities that scares you to death? Is he leading you to respond to his invitation of love and forgiveness? The invitation of salvation that you have kept at arm's length and said, you know what? I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. There is a day in which you say, God, I have enough information. I'm ready to take that step. And in your notes, know that when you respond to his leading in your life, you will have something to sing about. You'll have something to sing about once you willingly follow where he leads. Because that's what it led Mary to at the very end of Luke 1. This is Mary's song. And Mary said, verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of this servant. But from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Let's pray. Father, we are so incredibly grateful for this advent, this arrival season of Messiah. We recognize today at the outset that we have no hope aside from Jesus. Him entering our world was beyond religion, beyond rules. It was a a gift of righteousness, something we could never achieve on our own, but you did for us. And so it's today we say thank you as we enter into the season, as we see from a new set of lenses this life of Mary. God, we say I might be leery of what you're calling me to, not sure if it's of you. I might be confused of the details of how it's going to play out, but God, I want to be willing. God, better yet, I am willing to follow your lead. Help us this week, God, to be about your thing, whatever it is in our individual or family's lives. Help us not get stuck in being leery. Help us not be stopped by confusion. But God, give us willing actions and hearts. And you may be here today and you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus. That's step one. There's there's really no going past that. 
And I want to tell you today, the great news is you can begin that relationship with Jesus by walking through these ABCs. A is admit. Admit that you're a sinner who needs a savior. Admit that you've been living life on your terms, not God's, and therefore there's a break in the relationship. B, believe. Believe that this Jesus that we're celebrating come to earth as a baby, that he would live a sinless life, that he would die a sacrificial death, that he would be raised from the dead supernaturally on the third day. And C, choose. Choose to follow in his footsteps. Choose to walk his path and to say, Jesus, I am yours. My life is for you. You can make that decision before you even leave this place today. And my prayer is not only that you would, but in doing so, you would tell someone. You would tell someone, today, today I responded to Jesus' invitation. Father, we love you. In this Christmas season, help us to not miss it. What you came here for and why, why, why you became one of us. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name.